have been here a while, so I think I can get away with saying this. At All Saints, we are very special. We stand out. We are high achievers employed at various prominent law firms, universities, and hospitals here in Atlanta. We are leaders, teachers, and advocates. We work hard at our jobs. We volunteer at our children's schools. We contribute to the larger community, and we are active in our church. We are the A-team. We are the people you turn to to get things done. We are a special, special community of people, and we know we are special. <laughs> As my mother would say, we are earning our gold stars in heaven. So we should have no problem identifying with James and John. They were special, too. It's unfortunate that the lectionary begins this gospel story where it does. If we go back just three verses, we will have the context for understanding just how special James and John truly were. Jesus, the disciples, and his followers were walking on the road to Jerusalem. And Jesus pulls his disciples aside and begins to tell them exactly what was going to happen to him, saying, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days, he will rise again. And James and John say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Will you give us the best seats in paradise? Seriously? Did they completely zone out and miss the part about betrayal, humiliation, and death? Really? It's not all about them. James and John see an opportunity to move up in prestige, to claim glory, and boldly they ask for it, while completely disregarding the interests of the whole community of disciples. And this causes problems. There are ten other disciples and all the followers, each of whom is equally deserving of this same honor of being awarded the highest status, the closest connection to Jesus. But before too much dissension and fraction can occur, Jesus addresses this issue, explicitly stating how we are to relate to one another in community. Act as a slave to all. And he points to the current economic and political leaders and their model of relating within community, which serves to exploit and degrade people the community of God is about service, 
It's about upending our existing power structure and instead of upholding a select few as important, we are challenged to uphold everyone as important and of value. So to achieve greatness in Jesus' community, you must choose to serve all and seek to discard your power, to let go of that status and prestige which keeps you apart from others and become instead powerless. This was just as hard for his disciples to hear as it is for us today. James and John were clearly seeking to climb that social ladder of prestige. And our social structure has not changed all that much. And we are there too, somewhere on that ladder, trying in various ways to climb it. But here is the challenge from God not to simply pause where we are, but to actually release our grip and come all the way down to the bottom. This is what it takes to become great in the kingdom of God, becoming one with the powerless. The experience of being powerless is not something that I myself seek or enjoy or desire for anyone that I love. The times in my life when I have experienced being truly powerless as my loved ones spun out of control and headed a hundred miles an hour towards rock bottom and all I could do was stand by and watch, those periods of true powerlessness have been some of my darkest. Somewhere in your world, I'm sure you know what I mean by powerlessness. Maybe you've watched a parent be consumed by an all-encompassing illness. Or as a child, maybe you had to watch your family break apart and feel, feel powerless as your parents divorced. Maybe you had a childhood friend who was powerless to protect themselves from the repeated blows of their parent. Or you found yourself powerless in a battle with addiction and had to face the physical, mental, and relational damage that it wreaks. It is horrendous feeling powerless to alleviate pain and prevent suffering for ourselves and our loved ones. It's awful not to be in control. I remember when my mother was trying to quit smoking one summer when we were on vacation at the beach. I was probably about 10 years old at the time. And she was so overcome by her addiction to nicotine and disturbed by trying to battle that addiction, which she couldn't control. So she took the stance of trying to control everything else. Her attempts to micromanage our vacation didn't go over very well with my siblings who were teenagers at the time. And as for me, 
Well, she decided to send me to bed at 7 p.m. She wanted to go to sleep to have a break from her withdrawal from nicotine, and for some reason in her mind, she couldn't go to sleep until I went to bed. So, 7 p.m. That experience of powerlessness frequently draws out perverted expressions of control elsewhere in our lives. Send the child to bed at 7 p.m. or make your employees stay late over something that could have actually waited. However you can, exerting your control not out of malice, but because it is soothing. It reassures us and lulls us into thinking that we do have ultimate control over our lives and no more harm will come. And we don't have to acknowledge God other than on Sunday morning. And we fail to see how powerless we really are. And we miss all the work that God is doing around us. And if we do that to ourselves, if we hold on so tightly to that sense of power because it is comforting, then when those dark moments come and that sense of control over our lives is completely blown away and we find ourselves utterly powerless to prevent pain and suffering from invading our world, we will lose our footing. It is painful and hard to live through. What we are doing is human. It is natural for our egos to operate that way. But hopefully somewhere in there with God's grace, we will remember and acknowledge to ourselves that we are not all powerful. And maybe even that we are exhausted from trying to delude ourselves into believing we were in control. And we know we can't sustain our lives and our families all on our own. And we admit that we need the strength and sustenance coming from outside of ourselves. And we let go of the idea that we alone are powerful enough to sustain and control our lives. And we finally, finally, let go of our illusion of power. And we are vulnerable. And with and through that powerlessness, in that vulnerability, we become open for transformation. Our egos are set aside. And we are thankful for the strengthening sense and the companionship that we find in community. And our experience of life and love in God's creation is deepened and broadened. And so even in the darkest of hours, we know in the assurance of our faith that God will not abandon us. We find solace in prayer and draw strength from God's community, our community. James and John have their eyes lifted high towards glory, power in paradise. But Jesus calls us to cast our gaze downward 
to see the kingdom of heaven here in the present, here on earth. And with those eyes to look outward and gaze upon the pain in the world around us. And instead of moving up towards the clouds, we are to remain grounded here in this world and move out towards that suffering that we see. Our world is opened, broadened, as we see with new eyes the people around us. Discarding our sense of power and status opens us to truly act with love toward our neighbor, toward the one that we are relating to. So that homeless person on the street is no longer someone to avoid, but is someone who is inextricably linked to us, someone to move toward. They are ours to care for. Their well-being is intertwined with ours. This is not a condemnation of the special people, of the powerful, but an invitation. Giving up our illusion of power and control over our lives frees us to live more generously, to be more completely the person God created us to be. Jesus says, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Cast off your armor of power. See one another and respond with love. 